Hey guys, it's Tyler. I'm doing my Ryan Reynolds voice so you know I'm serious. We had okay. You may notice that today's episode is a little bit jumbled. We recorded way too much, and it ended up becoming two separate videos that we posted on YouTube. I tried to make it one cohesive episode for you here on Spotify. We will actually be changing our release schedule coming up here soon. We are going to be having two episodes come out a week. Monday will be our normal conversation, while Thursday will be our movie club. So instead of it just being one giant episode that we shoved together, these will be two separate things now. So if you're interested in that, make sure to keep a lookout for those two new episodes every week. That'll be starting at the end of December. So thank you guys for sticking with us. Sorry it's been sporadic the last couple weeks. It's been chaotic, but we're going back at it. Scoop. Game of the year, easily. I hope so. I hope so. Oh, hey. It's me again. Remember from just <clears throat> just a second ago, we were talking about Baldur's Gate 3 and what that might mean for the Game Awards this year. So uh, that's some context. Okay, bye. I'm trying to think of what else even came out this year that could compete. I mean, Alan Wake 2 is a really good game. I know, I don't think, I've, you haven't played it, have you? Yeah, we haven't talked about that at all. <laughs> I thought that was like an EDM artist. Alan Wake? I, th I think it's Alan Walker. That's or, probably uh, who I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think that's his name. Uh, <laughs> no, Alan Wake 2. It's like a horror kind of thriller detective game. It's good. It's good. It's real trippy. It's Ooh. real fucking weird. Up against Baldur's Gate 3. Eh, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's a real competition. I'm going to be honest. Did Tears of the Kingdom come out this year? I feel like it did, right? I, the new, I know uh, that's a video game. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't know if it has released. You know, it's a video. It's the Zelda game. You know, it's a video game. I a hundred dollars could not have told you that was a Zelda game. That was the. That's like the latest Zelda right game. No, oh, whatever, man. You know what? I'm gonna be honest. It's not that great. No, it is. <laughs> All right. It, no, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get fucking flamed if if that's my final stance on it. Uh, it's We're it's here great. For hot takes. My. Here's my uh, Tears of the Kingdom hot take is that I wish that there was just more. And I know that's a very soy boy, like, no, eh, give me more attitude. But it took, I think, three or four years from the original um, to come out. Oh, wow. And it uses the exact same map with an added map elevated above it like there are some stuff but you're barely ever up there and there is an underworld map but again you're not really there till later game and it's very dark down there so it's it doesn't even feel like a lot to explore so in my my argument is that it would be like if elder scrolls 7 came out right uh or 6 wait what the fuck are we waiting for it, it would be it would be 6, six. and it was All just right. the skyrim map with like an additional island Exactly my point. Yeah. Or like an, another layer above it that you could go to, but it's just kind of different. Or it, it, yeah, that's my only thing I will say that that knocks it down to not a 10 out of 10 because the original Breath of the Wild, that's a 10 out of 10 all day, baby. But Tears mm. of the Kingdom just takes what Breath of the Wild did and polishes it into like a really beautiful game that has a lot of mechanics that are way more in depth than uh, Breath of the Wild, for sure. Like, the building in it is insane. Like, you can literally build machines 
that can like oh, do the work that. for you. Yeah, it's it's insane. So like that is awesome, and that's kind of what the game had going for it. But that almost felt like it could have been DLC for Breath of the Wild, where it's like, hey, here's the new like building DLC. It's Fortnite now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it, I was about to make the comparison. But yeah, I that's I pissed off my coworker when I made that opinion and i told him i was like hey i'll i'll i'm gonna keep playing it and then i'll probably play it again and then um maybe my opinion will change you know but but it hasn't yet i'm still kind of like it's a great game but hmm. i don't know that's not what we were talking about though no and another game that came out recently here's okay this is kind of fucked up so ninja storm connections came out it's the new game in the naruto franchise which i'll say is primarily a fighting game it has a storyline that they actually fleshed out a, a brand new story for. So it's not in the manga. It's not in the anime. It is its own story. And so far, it's been pretty cool. Here's what happened. I got sick with that stomach flu. That's super contagious. And it's on the Xbox downstairs. And I have not played it. I played it the first day it released. And until Friday, when I'm no longer contagious... I'm trying not to use the Xbox controller or other things my wife touches so that way I don't get anybody sick since we have a newborn in the house. And I have not gotten to play more of it. But oh my God. it's a great game. However, I don't know. I'm sure there's somebody that is going to flame me for this. I don't know if a fighting game will ever be able to win game of the year. Yeah. It you could have a great fighting game. But I feel like game of the year involves storyline. It, it involves so much more. And not to say, again, it doesn't have a story. Mm. But Baldur's Gate, for example, I'm 152 hours played. I just checked. It's a good lord. 153.6 hours played. <laughs> My current story that I've played is about 74 hours. Now, part of that is because when we initially played... We got super excited that, oh, we can play together. We can play yeah. this RPG game together. And so you join my game, yes. only to realize you cannot kick that character out of your character slot. So you always have to have them. You can't have other characters take up one of those spots. Yeah, and I don't even think I had an option to continue that game unless you were playing. I haven't even checked now that I think about it. Like, I don't know if oh. I have a... Because I think I joined your... Yeah, now that I think... I'm not sure. Um, I haven't checked that. But either way, continue. I'm sorry. But yeah, so so that was, you know... Uh, it wasn't a lot of hours, but I did have to restart. And the way I'm playing this is... I am kind of being a save whore. Where I'm saving to get, like... I, I want to get the ideal situation. Because I want to create the gameplay mm. the way I want to play it. But I do want to do a second playthrough where I, whatever happens, happens. If if a character dies, I go with it and I create a more realistic gameplay. But this first time around, I'm I'm doing it the way that like I want the situations <laughs> to turn out. That's so interesting because I'm the opposite. I I'm going into this first playthrough with just like eating all of my choices. If something if something happens, I'll take it on the chin. That's fine. Uh. And then my second playthrough will be more of my honed in, like, okay, I want to see what happens when you do this specific thing. Uh, I have noticed that even in games like Skyrim and stuff like that, that I've dumped, 
you know, hundreds of hours into, if not maybe yeah. four digits by the time of being 30 now. Um, Same. <laughs> there are certain paths that I don't think I've even experienced because I there's still this part of my brain that won't let me do certain things if I consider them too fucked up or like too morally corrupt. Like even if I'm doing like a, a run that's like, okay, I'm gonna be a little more like fucked up on this run. There's still certain things I probably haven't done, like killed a certain like villager or did a certain quest a certain way because I'm like, ah. And that's the problem I keep running into with games like Baldur's Gate is that I have so much issue role playing because I put my <laughs> morals into it way too much. Like I would love to just absorb myself into being like a thief. Like even right now I'm playing a sorcerer who's supposed to be very like manipulative and cunning. And that's like, I, I wanna really envelop myself into that and play that character. Okay, like what choices would he make that are always manipulating people so that I'm, you know, on the upper end. Like sure, if I like someone, yeah, I'll try to be a little nicer to him, but still I'm out for me type of thing. And I'm still running into those issues where I'm like, oh, but that's so mean. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, <it's... laughs> Yeah, I tend to run into that where even though I can fantasy role play, at least in my first playthrough, I always want to do it if I was actually that person. Yeah. And in, in Skyrim, especially, I've gone back and say, OK, this is going to be my evil playthrough. But I'll. I don't like being mean to people, even in video games. It's it's so yeah. funny. I know, because usually my first playthrough is just me. That's kind of how I look at it. It's like, like with Skyrim, my first playthrough was kind of like, okay, this is how I would do this. Or like Fallout 4, all that type of stuff. Like moral choices. And then usually games after that, I'll try to choose like specific paths. Like I say, I still struggle with those things. To be honest, I've already restarted the game because I guess twice now, because I started it with you and then I restarted my own path, like you were saying. And the problem is, is I played that like religiously, like 20 hours straight, sprawled out, but not straight, but sprawled out between three or four days. I got so burnt out on it that I was like, all right, I need a couple days like break from this. But that couple days break turned into like a week, which turned into two weeks, which turned into three weeks. Which then turned into me jumping back onto it and going, I have no clue what the fuck is going on right now. I'm looking around like, okay, I I can read my journal and kind of figure out what mission I'm up on and I kind of remember. But I can't remember all of the moral choices I've made so far, the connections I've made. I, I didn't know what motive I had going into the next mission. And that is kind of a hindrance with this game if i had to knock it for anything mm. it's definitely not a pick up and play whenever you feel it my light just went out sweet i was wondering what that uh the mood setting was over there yeah here the hold dimmed. on let me here i can just switch these hold on there's so many moments which okay you know a little bit of, here's a little bit of a uh, an admittance is literally a half an hour before we started recording this i was playing and I, I came upon an enchanted chest that I didn't even know existed in this game yet. I just found one mm. for the first time. It was in the Owlbear Cave. Spoilers. Uh, oh, yeah. Remember the Owlbear Cave. Okay. So that's something I actually totally skipped my first playthrough. Like over 20-something hours played in my first playthrough. Never went into the Owlbear Cave or found it. Didn't know what it was. Bro, you could entirely miss like companions in this if you don't take a specific route. Yeah. 100%. Uh, and 
So when I went into this cave, I came across the owl, or I came across the owl bear. I fought it, and I killed it. And after I killed it, its cub crawled up to it and started crying. And I had the option to either kill the cub or leave it with its dead mother. And I just left it and was like, okay, I'm sorry. I, I feel bad now. I was getting like really emotional. And like, it was, they played it up, dude. Like it was like crying, like, like rubbing up against the mother. I didn't, I didn't kill it. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't well, realize I like that's what happened. I failed all of my initiatives. Like I, tr I tried to communicate with it as an animal. Failed. I'm a safe whore. Okay. I tried to back up slowly and be like, hey, we're cool. Failed miserably. Tried to puff my chest out. Failed miserably. All of them. I got like a two or three on. It was really bad. I, f I felt awful. But the cub starts eating the mother. <laughs> and the, you're all just kind of like, oh, okay. And then just leave. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was a fucking, it was a roller coaster of emotions for me. Because, uh, yeah. So, oh any, God. anyway, I leave the, the cub to its meal. And, I, yeah, I find this enchanted chest. And at first, I'm trying to open it. And I kept having like saving throws so it wouldn't hurt me. And I'm like, oh, okay. Wait, it's trying to hurt me. I didn't even realize that. Okay. So I tried to attack it. It's like a sorcery attack that you can do on four different people. But instead of doing it on four people, I just did it all four on this one chest. So what mm. happened was, is that all reverberated back to me and completely <laughs> killed my character without any chance of revival. And I kept trying to use my scroll of revival on it, but it kept saying that the character was blocked or that I couldn't, like, it wouldn't let me use it. And I was like, what the fuck oh. is going on? Like, I don't know if it was glitched out or something. So I saw I had a resave or a save in that cave. And I was like, okay, I don't like doing this, but I don't want my main character to be dead. And I don't know what else to do. <laughs> you don't get to play your main character the rest of the game. Yeah, I was like, this That's seems I didn't even know this was possible. Like, this seems ridiculous. I don't know what's happening. So I was like, I'm just going to re reload it in the cave. And I assumed it would be after the owlbear died. Nope, it was at the beginning of the cave. So I had to fight it again. But this time, I th I, I threw a, a nat 20 trying to communicate with Ooh. it. So it was just like, oh, yeah, leave and we're good. And I was like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. So I did end up doing one save horror moment. But on accident, mm. I thought it was just because I died and was like, I can't play anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've gone back like an hour or two because I didn't have a, a recent save. And I ran into something where I'm like, oh, that affected this. There is so much of this. And because I'm I'm at the there's three acts to the game, I believe. And I am at the very end of act two. OK, so I I don't want to spoil things for you. But it is one of those where it reminds me of like Bioshock, but on steroids in terms of your actions will make a difference. In terms of I did something different um, in, in kind of two different ways. The second way I was actually just testing. I knew no matter what happened, this is the path I'm taking. Mm. But I'm curious to see if I were to go this other path, what happens? Oh my gosh. And totally it was different. very evident. It told like it will absolutely change the ending of the game. It, at least to my assumption, that's how big of an impact it made. It, it makes a huge impact. And wow. I noticed there was two or three different ways that could have gone it, maybe even four. 
And I bet there's even more depending on what leading up to it. Like what paths did you have? What companions do you have? What choices did you make before that? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. 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 Companions make a, a big difference because there's certain situations you'll run into where a companion has like more knowledge on something. Oh, man. Yeah, it is. Because, it... again, I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but there is no. so much. And just make sure before you go to the next region, like you'll get to a point where it'll say uh, before continuing, make sure to finish up any quests you have in this area. You can't complete some of the quests if you move to that next area like you can still okay. go back to that area later and do stuff in it and you can complete quest but there are a certain kind of main key points that you can no longer do so okay. the second act i cleared every quest that i had available and let me tell you i had a lot of quests <laughs> damn that's in that's insane good i i'm familiar with that though because i ran into that with final fantasy 15 there's a moment mm. like halfway through the game where it's like, hey, if you leave this part of the game, you can't go back. And I kind of took it as like a, yeah, okay. It's an open world game. Fuck you. <laughs> and then like, nope, like you cannot go back. So like I, there were certain things I couldn't resolve and, and I was so upset. What the reason I'm not saving every chance I can get or reloading is because I, I think I would go crazy with the amount of times I would want to fix something. Oh, dude, Shadowheart? Hey. Uh, that, yeah, oh yeah, of course, yeah. Every time Anytime it says, Shadowheart's mad, I'm like, nope, I'm gonna, re I'm gonna restart. I don't care how far back I have to go. Yeah, and, dude, like sometimes I'll say something that I would 100% think tracks because like I'll have had a conversation with someone two hours ago that was like, okay, she likes it when I'm when I'm supporting of an animal or something like that. And then later I'll do the same thing where I'm trying to be supportive and it's like Shadowheart disapproves. And I'm like, what? Wrong what? situation. And it's like, oh, well, she doesn't like wolves. And I'm like, oh, well, whatever, man. I didn't know that. So, yeah, it, <laughs> so, the, there's so many minute choices that I think I would just be loading it like every 15 minutes and never get anything done. You know something I didn't realize you can do at any time? what you can switch which spells you have mm -hmm. like i yeah. thought for the longest time oh until i level up and i get the option to pick a new spell that's the only time no you can just just go to your list of spells and then swap which ones you have so that way you have that in your hot bar oh honestly i didn't even realize i thought you had to do it at your camp or something or that you can just do it out in the world oh I never even tried, yep. so I guess... Oh, I was like 60, 65 hours in when I learned that information. I'm like, I've had other spells I've wanted to use, but I was like, oh, I guess I gotta wait till I level up again. Because, like, 74, 75 hours in, I'm level 9. But what I do like is, in order to level up, it's a lot more about completing the quests. Uh, that's where you'll get your most XP from. So it really encourages you to do them. And one thing that I really like about this game is the quests never feel like, well, go fetch this for me. We'll go grab this for me. It's this situation has happened and we need your assistance. And then you show up and there's like six or seven different ways you can handle it. You can side with the bad guys like 90% of the time if you want to in the situation. You yeah. can choose to be good. You can choose to be sneaky. You can just say, ah, I'm just going to attack the fucker. It gives you so many different options to choose from. Yeah, and... It also is a masterclass in, like, conveyance when it comes to missions. Yes, there are a few, 
like fetch quest mission missions like you said or things like that but the way that they're implemented is not as simple as most games do it like like even for example early on in the game there's like a a tomb there's no person that says you should go check out this tomb like i think there's a journal entry that says like hey try to get in or something like that yeah but once you get in it doesn't really say anything and then like i remember looking around you don't find much i'm in this area whatever you, you know and there's a lot you can interact with there's people like already there trying to pillage it and you run into them and that becomes an interaction and a fight and then you could steal stuff from them they have a key that opens up a door that opens up a new area and like then yeah, there's I, like four ways to get into it exactly so and that's the other thing is i found the hatch on the outside that leads mm. down into and i was able to like nat 20 that one and get in and then it's like the uh yeah it's like the tomb with all the skeletons and again, yep. spoilers. Again, this is super early game. This is like first it, hour. This is so, a spoiler for you. Yeah, you. I fuck you. <laughs> yeah, this this is like you just need to play the game. If anything, this might entice you to play it. But um, so yeah, that my favorite part of this is that I've played this part before, and I remembered that when you press the button that opens up the one back tomb, they all come alive. So I took all of the weapons off of them. Yes. And, and I yes. was trying to think of a way I thought maybe I would have a magical item that could maybe like I could activate and then blow them up or something the second they woke up, but I couldn't figure anything out with what I had there. There may have been like a trap or something I could have laid or something, but I, I had the right idea. I just don't think I had the means because I was so early in the game. Uh, so but here's you, what you can do. Okay, I was gonna say. I have utilized this strategy. So there's one point where you, and, and the only reason why I, I'm going to elude, I'm not gonna say anything specifically, but mm. you'll be in multiple situations where you'll be in some kind of soul fortress area. And inevitably you'll have the choice. Am I gonna fight these people or am I gonna side with these people? One of the times that I chose to fight the people I was getting my ass kicked. Like, my entire team was getting wiped. I spent multiple days on this because I refused to go about it. The easy way would have been to, to, to side with the bad guys. Yeah. So what I finally did was I scoured the ground with grease. And then, as soon as the combat started, I also, before it started, I made sure to position each one of my characters because you can... Um, Instead of having everybody always follow around, you can, you can have ungroup them each. Them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I ungrouped. I put them in specific places. Everybody launched off um, either a bomb or a fire spell that lit them up. But then I also had a lot of explosives in one specific area. And there's a void bulb. And when you throw it, everyone that's in a specific region will get pulled to that area. Nice. And once they do, it's set off the explosives. So this game also allows you to do a full strategic level. I'm going to set up the battlefield the way I want it to. Also, mm -hmm. you can kind of set like buildings on fire-ish. Or I was in a building once, and enemies started shooting arrows at me, and they actually broke the walls down, and I was like, oh, fuck, nothing can oh. actually hit me. I, I thought I was... So I don't know if that's for all structures, for older structures, but the environment is huge. My least favorite thing about this game, though, and again, this is just... It's not even the game's fault, but it's when you're trying to get through a doorway with four people, and you can't... You don't have enough movement 
to get through with enough. So you're all trapped in this doorway until one of you can get through and then open up this fucking cylinder. By jumping. I've been able to jump over people who have been in the way. It'll use an action, but you can at least get more people through quicker if you're going to get lodged up. Because, yeah, that actually happened to me uh, around around hour 52. I have no idea when it happened. But I I know, yeah, jumping has helped me get through doors that... uh, And that's another thing. I've actually put stuff in doorways to prevent reinforcements from running in. If I'm fighting somebody tougher until I can beat them, and then by the time they get in, I can now focus on them. Yeah. it, it It's funny, too, because what I, what I was about to describe, it sounds like the simplest thing in a video game ever, but I guess it's just the way that it, this game presents it to you and goes about it. It just feels more expensive. I don't know, because there's so many options, but I noticed that there was, like, a bunch of explosive barrels, like, all around them. So I'm basically tried to goat them all into moving into one room and then i moved all of my players out of that room and then shot a flaming arrow into one of those things and it literally exploded the entire fucking room and killed all of them in one hit and this was like five or six people and again that sounds like something that's like oh yeah explosive barrel in a video game no shit of course that'll kill no yeah when i was talking about you know i I threw the the void bulb and it, it pulls people in it also pulled in a chest and that chest did damage to people it hit because of its size. So it's things that I hadn't even considered that also make sense where it's like, yeah, if a heavy chest were to come flying at you and you're knocked out, it's probably going to do some serious damage. That's yeah. a lot of damage. That's a lot of damage. What I think it also does well is interweaves the useless decisions, let's say, let's say with the more important decisions. So I I almost don't know which is which, and that's good. I don't want to know because I don't like knowing when a choice is like useless. Or because like, for example, when you walk into a room and it says like religion check failed, you don't know what that statue is. Part of me goes like, fuck. Like, well now I, what if that's like a thing? Like what if I recognized it and it sent me on a path of a different mission or something? And it's like, but, but even that, that would get me thinking, like, well, what do I do about that? I have to not go in that room yet and then learn about that religion and then come back? Like, no, I'm, I'm already... That's too much. So... Oh. I- Another thing you can do, if you walk in and your entire group all fails the check, you can go get different group members that haven't walked by it, bring it to them, and it'll give them the chance to do a check. Okay. That's not a bad idea. So there's a way to do it without having to, to save and reload. I'll do that sometimes because um, right now I'm not using a Starion in my group. So sometimes if I need to lockpick something, I've gone back to grab him. Um, I actually have, I don't know if I gave her an item. I need to double check it or one of the options I gave her. But Lazel has something called Astral Knowledge. She gets like a plus three on every action she does. Mm. And so that sometimes has been enough of a bonus where I'm like, okay, I just... As long as I have Lazelle do whatever, she's going to have a, a bigger buff on her rolls than um, some of the ones for Astarion. But That's for a fair. while, I would go back, pull him, and, and grab him for the lockpicking adventures. Even though the game doesn't force you to do it, I understand this, and that's that's great. But I wish that I would switch between characters more. I just always play as me. I just, like, that's that's... 
It's something I struggled in in Dragon's Age Inquisition too. I never switched between the characters until the game like forced me to switch characters because I always just want to play as me. It's why I made my character. Why the fuck would I want to play as your Astorian or a Shadowheart? Especially if I'm trying to like court one of them. It's like, what? well, then now I'm playing as them, and this feels weird. The players are like, you know, I, I could help. No, no, all right, my bad. I'm not going to tell you how to no, play your game. But again, that's that. maybe that still feeds into your experience, right? Because maybe it's like, mm -hmm. we'll say it's like, oh, in my party, I'm the control freak. So it's like, I tried to do it. No, nobody else can try. It didn't work. Let's move on. You know, oh, like, yeah. We'll again, you're still role-playing. Yeah, fuck it. We can pretend that that's what I'm doing, and it's like, ah, oh, okay. All right, what's your rating? Oh, ten, 10 out of 10. This this is an easy 10 out of 10, I think. 10, it's, 10 out of 10. Yeah, I, there are things that I think, like, no, it's not a perfect game, but goddamn, it's really close. It's, like, I, so close. What, what could they do to make it perfect, though? Um, there's not much it can do better because for what it is, it's, like, perfect. It's the perfect, like, top-down MMO or not yeah. even MMO, I'm sorry. Just RPG. No, no, no. just RPG. In general. And it, yeah. it's, you know what? The only thing they could make better is the co-op situation where yeah. you can swap that out. But again, it's such a minute thing where I think if we really wanted to, and maybe that'd be a fun stream of us doing like a co-op run on the game. Yeah. But it's even designed to be a game where you create your story, you get immersed in it. There's been a few times where like I've seen we're both playing and I've been like, oh, maybe I should uh, call them while we're playing. But then I'm like, I don't know. It's the kind of game where I like to be sucked into the game. Yeah, I don't even I don't even like playing music sometimes when I'm, I'm playing the game yeah, because no. I just want to be immersed into it. I agree. No, it's it's which can be a detriment. You know, it's like almost any other game that I'm playing. If I notice you're playing it, I'll hit you up and be like, oh, let's play it together or let's jump in a discord and play. It. But mm. like this game, there's almost so much going on that it's like, yo, I don't even have time to talk right now. I got to focus on this. So that is a detriment to it in a sense. But it's also a plus because it's so engaging, you know, that that's good. Yeah. Um, you know what would bump it up to like the ultimate game ever just like and i don't even know if this is possible but they have mm -hmm. the groundwork so who knows but if they were able to make like a build your own adventure DD style session based gameplay with this where you could almost open like an empty map add your own elements like okay add a building here add a castle over here add this over here and then create an adventure for your friends to play a DD session with in the game oh my god like a mario maker but with baldur's gate i was about to say so mario maker uh combined with baldur's gate that is something where we might be a console or two away from yeah but if Not anyone's gonna far. do it this game studio would absolutely be the one to to pull it off hey mitchell who's totally in the room right now do you want to start talking about the movie Okay. All right, let's get into it. Sorry to bother you. Yes, last week you suggested this movie, Mitchell. Uh, I did. Uh, let me introduce you to the director and writer. It's Boots Riley. This movie was actually, um, I believe he was working on this in terms of writing it back in 2012. He did a book. Um, he is also 
a talented music artist as well and i think um he's been doing music since like the 90s so a little bit of a, a marathon man if you will mm, and... jack of all trades yeah yeah uh absolutely master of none <laughs> i'm just kidding this is really good pew, pew, pew. What, what did you what did you think of sorry to bother you i enjoy this a lot this is a great movie it it's it has some like tonal issues in my opinion i think i i think it uh there's like parts of it that i think want me to take it seriously that i can't and then there's parts of it that want me to laugh at it that i didn't quite laugh at it but i laughed a lot in this movie and i there's the vibe of it is very interesting it's it's hard to like compare it to any other movie because um not to say that it's like oh my god it's some tour de force of artistic like oh my god it's i've never seen a visionary like but more in the sense of like the way it uses surrealism is very interesting because it's our reality for the most part but within the first 20 30 minutes or so you start seeing these little things that make you realize like no this reality is just slightly different and that's kind of what makes everything going forward like okay like no matter how weird the, the world gets it's like okay well this is just a different world um dare i say all the southland tales it has that kind of like don't you fucking dare okay uh, listen listen don't you dare somebody did it i i wasn't sure if you were gonna say oh, this wait, the, now they? i have to because it made me mad no somebody said this gave them strong oh shit what is it sunshine sunshine on the spotless mind oh I, eternal sunshine i got that yeah yeah someone said that it reminded them of that where it gives you something to start out with and it slowly incorporates this other element but it's still set in what is meant to be mostly the real world just with kind of a few alterations in terms of specific things that's true okay yeah because like i guess the the difference that i think is like even in that movie even in the eternal sunshine the only real difference was this fantastical element of the science that could make your brain forget things like but even that isn't too weird like it was explained in a grounded way this was like there's just surreal like just, e even the idea of there being the tv show where people just get the shit beaten out of them like it's while yes it's like poignant and it is a like commentary on where our kind of media has devolved to of just like oh like just watch people get the shit beaten out of them basically the trash television of today i do get but it's almost so surreal that you can't believe it and then once we start getting into the the um the soda girl stuff where she gets like the the corporate deals and does the commercials and is it it's like so over the top but also grounded in a like a reality that you can wrap your head around you know because like yeah i don't know i don't know i don't want i don't want to say too much like right out of the gate but uh these are also not negatives i'm saying <laughs> okay interesting interesting uh all right so uh this movie it starts out with cassius green cassius green is a guy who's living in his uncle's basement he's 
really trying to to make himself in the world. Also, if you think about it, I was watching a video today that kind of said, you know, if you say his name together, Cash is green. He is only seen as as Cash to the company he works for, right? Yeah. So it it was a, an interesting kind of play using his name, but he lives in the or I think I said basement. He lives in the garage. So he lives in the garage, and he's he's trying to make ends meet the movie actually opens up to him being in an interview where he has these accolades he's got a trophy with him he's got an employee of the month with him and the guy kind of calls him out and says well i actually worked at that bank you said you worked at and you didn't fucking work there and also your your friend he works here and he's the one you put down as a referral <laughs> as, as the boss there and so there was things he was pulling out but he's like this is telemarketing all you need to do is be able to <laughs> to stick to the script, which is another kind of it's a I think they do a good job of making commentary that can still just be grounded in feeling like you're watching a movie because telemarketing stick to the script. Hearing that doesn't feel as on the nose as do what we tell you as we tell you. No. It sounds like something you would expect to hear. When yeah. realistically, like the idea is stick to the script if you want to be successful overall yeah no for real and honestly i think that is like almost a verbatim thing that some businesses tell you because i know like because i know you you were in were you in technically telemarketing because i know you were in so, phone kind of calls yeah so, yeah you know. and this is definitely a reason where like the i think the movie reside uh resonates with me so i worked for i mean i can say it now it's on my linkedin so anybody can go up and look i worked for tesla doing solar panel sales I'm now sorry. granted the i've i've had worse jobs uh now granted it, this was also way before yeah. all the crazy <laughs> this is when elon was stuff. cool yeah this is <laughs> yeah this was the cool elon era um but i never at least had to call people uh cold call people cold calling for those that don't know is when you might as well just take the phone book and just call whatever number in it and try to sell people. I was at least calling list of people that showed some kind of interest. Um, we had companies that would try to reach out to people specifically for us. And then our job was to call and qualify their house. We'll see if their houses would qualify. My goal wasn't to qual qualify someone. I called people whose houses were like 60% shaded and they wanted solar panels. And I'm like, we're, we're not gonna put solar panels on your house. There's There's no benefit. But I had a script. I had things that I was required to say on the call. If somebody gave me kind of a, oh, well, I don't know about this, I had to at least make an attempt to show. And one thing I was actually good at was repivoting conversations. But I had, there was also someone whose job it was to listen back to our phone calls to make sure that we were talking about the right things. Yeah, there was an actual job of like quality assurance, QA, where somebody would listen back to our calls to make sure that we were following the conversations the way that they That's wanted it so to. That's so weird. But wait, doesn't that fall into, a, can they only hear your end of it? Because doesn't that fall into a weird thing of like, they're allowed to listen to the person, personal calls? You start the call with, this is on a recorded line that may be monitored for oh, quality okay. and assurance. So you you legally have to start the conversation with that. And you know what? I times... feel like I have heard of that or I have heard that before, like on a phone call. So that makes sense. Yep. So so that is that is how that worked. But yeah, it, it absolutely ended up with I knew that there was people and, and sometimes we'd get reports back where it's like, oh, 
95% of your call, you would, you would hit everything you needed to talk about. You forgot to mention this on the last call. Like those are all real things. I'm sorry. And so I'm so, I didn't, I, I'm so sorry. I, I stopped in my tracks because I saw Patton Oswald pop up in the trailer for sorry to bother you here and was yep. very confused because he wasn't in the movie. And then I just yeah, realized that he was Mr. Blank's voice. I didn't. I yep. thought. I thought that was also David Cross. I thought David, David Cross. Okay, I thought it was too. Which I was as soon as I heard, I was like, "Oh my god, that's right." He has David Cross's voice. So I love that David Cross made it into back-to-back movie reviews of ours. But he the really whole did. time, I'm like, "Is that like David Cross just doing a slightly different voice?" Yeah, and then I thought somebody that was else the joke. It, yeah, that they all just then sound somebody like else David in the reviews Cross. was like, <laughs> they'll just sound like white guys. <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't mean it so funny it's so good no yeah i i loved the white voice thing which is all they really showed in the trailer um i I didn't mean to sidetrack you you, by the way you were saying the telemarketing like sticking to the script thing. oh yeah yeah. so like when i saw that i'm like this this is very real and the other part so so we'll kind of catch back up to he gets offered the job he goes back home. His uncle's like, you are four months behind on payment. And he makes a really funny comment where, and you don't know it's his uncle at this point. You think he might just be a landlord. And he goes to like this, this art holier than thou, more righteous. And he goes, you and your family are, are taking and, and profiting off. And he's like, you're my nephew. He's like, he's my like, family. what are you talking about? <laughs> I gave you that car. It's Terry Crews, by the way. Love Terry Crews. Great choice. Great choice. Yeah. And he's he's like the default uncle. Like, absolutely. And so he drives back to work the next day. And one of the things that I love that they did was when he makes his first call, he gets, like, figuratively. He's not actually. But in the scene, you see him being dropped into the... Uh, the kitchen dining room where they're eating breakfast. Yeah. As if when he's I physically say, there, like, yeah, yeah. When I say, when you make a call to someone and you're in that kind of role, it absolutely feels like that because oftentimes, uh, you're calling people kind of out of the blue. They could be doing anything. And I've, I've heard of plenty of things going on. Uh, that, that was also, it, it I really felt that in terms of understanding what it's like to make those calls and feeling a little bit like you're invading somebody's personal space. Mm-hmm. And I also very much, obviously, the, the white voice, as they say, which is meant to be a successful voice, a carefree voice. Like, you don't need their money. You're doing this for their benefit. You're not worried. Hi, my name is Mitchell. How are you doing today? I have a voice that I use for phone calls uh, for work. Yeah. And I, yeah. It, it's real. Like, that's an actual thing. No, yeah. And I would say it's because Langston, um, Danny Glover, which uh, mm-hmm. he had to make a lethal weapon reference. I don't know if you noticed, but when they're in the bar, he says, I'm too old for that shit. And that's like his catchphrase oh! in Lethal Weapon. Um, but he outright says, eh, it's not even really a white voice. It's just more of like successful. So, I think it's funny that I almost feel like they said white voice for the trailer to like 
get people in as a as the joke to what because that's not really what this movie's about like yes he uses that no. white voice and successful voice a lot throughout the movie um it's not the 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 focal point of the movie necessarily so i feel like that was the joke but then very quickly yeah danny glover's character goes ah eh, not really a white voice it's just more of like these people want to hear someone that they want to be and I, what I love about this movie, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but it feels like the opposite of Wolf of Wall Street. It's like the anti-Wolf of Wall Street movie. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, where it's like, it's like almost reaching, trying to reach the same goals, but going completely opposite directions of like yeah. going about it. It's it's very interesting. Um, because they do the same kind of thing. But they realize the way that those paths take them is is something. It, it means very different things to them. Yeah, because I, I would say I, like, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just I was just gonna add on that. I think too, you know, when you see that trailer and you hear the white voice, you're like, oh, okay, so it's gonna be like, you know, uh, are they talking about like racial, um, race relations? Way, way farther on the capitalism side, if anything, um, than it no. is a about race. I'd say. Exactly. It's not. It's not even really a about racial imbalances at all in this movie. Yeah. Um, like the, it's it's speckled <laughs> but, in there because, in the same way that it's speckled into reality, like that it's everywhere in our reality. So yes, it's in this movie, but it's not what this movie's about by any means. No, and I love when he says. I'm not talking about a Will Smith voice, all right? That's just proper. I'm talking about sounding like you're going to hop in your car. You ain't got a care in the world. You don't <laughs> you got even a Lamborghini on this sitting outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's free. like I love the way they set up that interaction between those two. And it's funny you bring up his name, the Cassius Green thing, because I didn't look mm -hmm. into all their names, but... Um, Oh, you know what? Salvador doesn't have an E in it, so that, that ruins my theory now that I'm looking at it. But I thought all of their names kind of had to do something with their role in the movie, um, similar to how, like, The World's End had that kind of motif. Because, like you said, Cash is green, Cash is green. He literally says in the movie, he's like, is Cash green, baby? Like, that he when he asks, oh, yeah. you know, that's when I put the two and two. I was like, oh, Cassius Green. That That's when it hit me. But um, his friend, Salvador, uh, mm -hmm. is the one that he put on the his resume as the previous boss. I thought his name was like an anagram for uh, almost slaved, but with an extra O. Because uh. I thought Salvador had an E in it. So I was like, oh, S-A-L-E-D. Uh. You know, I was like, oh, okay. Salvador slaved. And then you had Squeeze which is the the guy who comes in and he's almost squeezing him out of his life or like or you could call him the the main squeeze of the girl who comes in you know like it's almost like their names have literal meanings to him and mm -hmm. uh so but that doesn't really go anywhere once you start looking into more of their names so i i, I was like eh, whatever but it's an interesting thing you know it's for sure the main character so oh um, yeah but yeah so he does have his girlfriend um whose name detroit which I oh that was hilarious, that's a great line in this movie. Is uh your name is Detroit? Oh that's really nice. Yeah, my parents wanted me to have an American name. <laughs> it was so funny. There's so many great like short comedy bits, and and I think anytime you can get a really funny moment out of like when he goes forty on two, and it's forty cents. Oh, I wrote the biggest the 
biggest unrealistic thing in this movie is that 40 cents got him that far in this town like he drove for so long after that but dude that shit was so funny like the 40 cents thing was great um yeah they <laughs> the parents glad we have an american name it was that one was funnier the second time i watched it because like <laughs> i was paying a lot more attention the first time i was trying to just take the whole movie in when i had first seen it um and and man so yeah. good the second time and and also i love that character because you know she fully embraces the art motif and that's where i started to notice that the world was weird like surreal in a sense because it's when she had the sign spinning job and the sign just said the word off and like i was just like what i don't is remember she... what i don't i don't even remember that i realized oh, like really? i remember the sign spinning i don't oh, yeah. think i actually read the sign the first sign that she spins it just says the word off with an exclamation point and she's like spinning and i'm like what are they even selling i don't know but then later squeeze when they're all at the bar he says something like oh yeah we're all just being like pushed to be like workhorses which you know wink wink but he's like we all just need to kind of like realize that we're worth more he's like hey because like let's say we're spinning a sign out on the side of the road who says that next week they don't want you to spin a bigger sign with a bigger name on it for the same amount of money and she goes hey no i've got the best sign in the best corner i've got the most important word in that phrase and and for a second i thought that that was gonna feed into more and maybe there's something i missed or something but i was just like wait what what is off what what was so i don't know i think that's just something that the movie is just, it's a joke that they're making, but yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So any, any notes so far that, that you had, hmm. you know, your initial thoughts and then, you know, from its opening. So I, I didn't take a lot of notes in this movie because I just mostly enjoyed it, uh, which is. I, di I didn't either. I, I realized this is the movie I took yeah. the least amount of notes. Oh, um, oh. and I, I tried to start out. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was say I tried to start out, but again, like my notes, like went up to like like halfway through. My notes are I forgot it was David Cross's voice, um, and I mentioned after that how I had actually experienced that kind of level of excitement. So when he gets uh, kind of that white voice down and he starts making sales, you know, there's him and his manager are like what? high five, and and that's real. When I worked at Tesla. Each team kind of had their own little different things. So each team had like a, a pot of a, about five or six people. We had an actual gong. And if you got your sale, that's work you of could Wall Street hit the shit. gong. Yeah, that's, I think that's literally Bro. in work of Wall Street. Wolf yeah, of Wall it, it, Street, actually, that might be what they do. Yeah, so that's all real life. And again, wow. when you think of salespeople, you want something that it, it's, I got it. I, I did it. Here's here's an announcement of like my accomplishments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so again, I think it, it captured what it's like to be in that environment. And while working with Squeeze, Squeeze was kind of this guy where he's like, you know, we do we deserve better than this. Because they're all working only for commission. And Cash is like, Yeah, yeah, of course, you know, I'm I'm definitely on board. I I'm I'm here for the team. But as he starts getting more and more successful, it becomes that my family, they they have bills they need to pay. I need to pay those bills. Yeah. And in order to do that, I have to work. Yeah. I think that it is 
really good at portraying that um, conflict because that that conflict isn't really shown much in movies where it's like people actually having to stick to their like script. morals. Let's say, yeah, stick to their script or in this oh, yeah. case, stick to their morals. You know, it's like, because that's almost the kind of like dichotomy. It's like, okay, are you going to stick to the script or are you going to stand for the small guy and like do the, do the right thing? You know, because it's very, it, it, like even right now with the, it, it's very prophetic in a way because you have like the Writers Guild and the stuff that like those just ended recently. Um, mm -hmm. But you had the, the strikes amongst the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild and all that stuff. And I can imagine it's very difficult to stop acting and stop writing, especially if you have people emailing you and being like, hey, like, listen, we really want to get this done. Like, imagine, like, Disney emailing you and you're an unknown actor and they're, and but it's during this time of, like, a writer's strike or an actor's strike and they're just like, hey, we have this new Disney Plus show and, you know, there's other actors don't want to do it right now for a certain reason, but we'd love for you to come on and be a main star. Like, it must be so hard to say no to that and stick to those laurels and morals that I like I don't agree with Cassius in this movie like I think the arc of it was to learn that he, he didn't do the right thing even though the position is difficult to choose I mean like you he like you said he had a family to support he has a but my my only thing with that is that clearly it was a sort of apathy and laziness that got him to this position to where it's not like he has also true. it's not like he has like kids that he it's it's an uncle that he has to pay yeah. back you know that he's trying to like get and of course he wants his uncle to be able to keep the house and he wants to keep his dad's house and like all that stuff like that that's separate but yeah like because i even had the one of my few notes i had was during that scene with terry cruz and it was how he uses um let me see my wording just to make sure i got this right um yeah trying to use existentialism as an excuse for laziness feels yeah. like what he does a lot where he's like hey well we're all gonna die one day and you're just using your wealth to yeah. hoard all of the and it's like that doesn't... that's right that was the speech yeah and it's like it's like you don't have to use those kind of existential feelings of dread to make an excuse for why you're not just gonna do the thing you have to do like work or make money like yeah it sucks but like for now, work in it. And the irony is that Squeeze and those people are doing the thing that's trying to fight what he's so against. He's he's against the idea of capitalism and like, oh man, we're all just working until we die. But they're when, acting on what he uh, was preaching in that beginning. Exactly. But when he's confronted with it, he would rather take the easier path of less resistance and be like, well, they're offering me a promotion. So I kind of got to take it, you know, cause you know, it, 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 it is, it's an interesting kind of like conflict for a movie. And I, I think it does really well at conveying how like it would be a hard choice if you were. And there is another that. thing that we haven't spoken about yet that gets introduced that I think also plays I'll say there's two things that I think play additional roles into him kind of taking on that promotion and 
kind of selling out on some of his morals. So the first one is in commercials, we see there is a company called Worry-Free. And you can pretty much sign your life away and they'll provide you with housing. They'll provide you with meals. It's just prison. It's just prison. It's, it's, it's prison. Yeah, it, it's prison. prison. It's genius. It, it's literally you're <laughs> signing up for prison. It's it's slave labor and convincing people that, hey, we're not going to pay you. We're going to take care of you. You don't need to worry about anything. It's worry free. And his uncle mentions, well, I don't have the money to pay. You know, maybe this worry free isn't the, ba- the the worst option. Later on in the movie, he makes a comment to his girlfriend. Uh, I was going to say Tess, but I think Tess Thompson Detroit. is the actual actress. Detroit. That's right. He makes a comment to Detroit. Well, where I, I took that promotion because I wanted to be more interesting to you. I feel like that was like a partial truth. Um, I, I think it was maybe part of it because I, f- and maybe, you know, it kind of shows that as he got more things, he was creating a more luxurious, luxurious lifestyle for them. But I think from the actual actions, I think it was realizing that, you know, he could actually live this life that he, he had always wanted to by taking that promotion, even though it was, you know, clearly not in maybe the the best interest of helping everyone else out and he was a real hal jameson i loved how they created this like how without ever actually talking about who this hal jameson guy was he was just a legend he was like the michael jordan of telemarketing there (laughs) and uh it i i thought it was just a little funny thing that they kept throwing out i don't know if that's like a reference to something perhaps no i think i mean i think it's just supposed to be like a like a wolf of wall street He's a, um, who's the guy from Wolf of Wall Street? The main one? Mike Ditka. No, sure. I'm just kidding. That's not. Sure. But no, yeah, I think like a, a Mark Cuban where it's like, oh man, the guy that everyone talks about, that guy who in this company who blew up and became this thing. Who did the thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's hilarious. And there's a few jokes like that in this movie. There's one even more minute one that I wrote down because it was so fucking funny, but it's when they're in the club and... His, his friend Salvador goes like, oh man, that's that guy from that show. And he goes, oh, cool. I fucking hate that show. Where do you think he's going? <laughs> like, it's just such a natural like reaction where it's like, oh yeah. Like if you see someone famous, sometimes you're like, oh yeah, cool. I fucking hate that show. But all right, what's he doing anyway? And it's the scene where yeah. he goes back and like can't handle this, which is hilarious. Where he goes back oh, and there's just God, people like yeah. dancing in his face and talking over him. And he just like fuck and then leaves <laughs> and that was it yep i that's the part of the movies that i can understand where i think people watching this might not like that part or those parts because they're so like they're almost like a comedy sketch like they're surreal because it's like he's sitting in this club he's like oh what's that back room and it's like oh well that's where the special people go and he's like oh well all right i'm gonna get in there so he goes in and then it's a 15 second montage of him like fumbling over himself and can't, and then he screams fuck and then comes out and then that's over. They're, they don't come back to that. They're, they don't, that, that back room is never used as like a follow up for anything. It's just like a joke, but also it's still kind of like shows his character. And for me, it built his character of being a person who doesn't belong 
in that lifestyle like which i relate to but wants to you know yeah, yeah like i get that where it's like man i would love to go to these clubs and like drink and and be dancing on with girls on tables and shit like oh that sounds fun like when i was 21 and shit that sounds great but when i was in it i was like this oh stop like oh god what's happening like yeah mm -hmm. so that i thought that was i thought that was funny <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think the movie does a really good job of using those kind of small moments to give characters more of an identity, more of an understanding of what are the things that they're interested in, even if, again, it doesn't even end up working out in their favor the way they wanted it to anyways. Yeah. And all right, so let's we'll kind of move along the story here. So there's this idea okay. of power callers that's initiated from the beginning, which I was laughing right away because I... I love it when companies always make like this fake, but like, like, how do I put it? They, they always create a title that you are like pining after. They give you this thing that you, that you think you need to reach, but it's just some made up goal that gets paid like just as much as anyone else. And it's like, even though in this movie, it's slightly different. It, it's still just so funny how like, I was like, oh man, I, I know that feeling where they try to. Like, hey, well, maybe one day you'll do this. And he even goes like, what the fuck is a power caller? Like, what, what do you mean? He's yeah. like, oh, well, they're the guys up there who make the real money. And that's where I was getting the Wolf of Wall Street vibe a little bit. Um, but anyway, he gets that opportunity to go up to be a power caller the day that they start the strike. Uh, so Squeeze and Salvador and weirdly enough detroit just starts work starts working there like a week but but yeah. i'm assuming she only started working there so that she could be part of the um that's very strike. in character for her exactly like she seemed very like anti-establishment and like i liked though that she still loved cassius to the point where it felt real to like yes she has her own morals and has her own standings but like if she can kind of bend them a little bit to make him happy and she'll do that like she was willing to quit the job and pull away from the strike because she realized like okay this is weird it's not making anyone happy and i don't have a because for a second i when she said that in the movie she was like oh well i quit that job because it was getting weird i was kind of like oh you, you lame you just pulled out because it was awkward but then i realized she didn't even work there beforehand like she, she yeah had it wasn't no like stakes. she had an established career there she yeah exactly so it was one of those i i think they did a good job of each person's character and choices feeling like they were really in line with their character i also thought it was really funny in the initial meeting where they were trying to hype up the team and the first manager is speaking and he's like you need a bag and tag you need to know when to bag them <laughs> yeah. drop them like a body bag in the morgue and, and, or tag them like a body bag in the, and, and the manager who's initially the guy doing the interview who you're like oh this is a weird guy he's like I, I think this is getting a little bit out of hand yeah. and I don't think this metaphor is landing and then the <laughs> next girl is speaking and he's like alright this is not like Diana even he's, debauchery. he's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well her name was what did she say it was Debo Debo Sherry and then Salvador's like, that looks like debauchery. She's like, no, nope, it's not. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> she was hilarious. I loved her character because uh, she was she's like the perfect like corporate figurehead, you know, like the, the woman who comes down and goes, OK, guys, 
our numbers have been a little bit down, but we're here to tell you that that's okay. And we need to get to bad. Like it's, it's like we're getting paid so more. perfect. We don't, we're not focused on money. Social capital is the the big thing. That is what's like. I've heard those yeah. people speak yeah. before. Exactly. It's and, it's like, and don't ask me. Ask the news. Ask media. That's who's telling. Oh my you gosh. This, okay. Yeah. It's like okay. Yeah. All right. No, it's right. Also, by the way, I didn't even realize that the guy's name was Mr. Blank this whole time. That every time they said his name, it would bleep out. Or is it? Uh, yeah. The guy who works for the. At power first, callers. I was like. Can I get a, a censored version of this movie? And then, like looking up afterwards, like the the people's uh, the the characters, it, it's actually literally just Mister Blank. Yeah. And it again, I I don't know if that's meant to say that could be anybody. Is anybody has the chance to be willing to sell out, um, or if but, they're just like it'd be really funny if there's a character who just doesn't have a name. I I kind of took it as that he's he's almost in this purgatory of not being a horseman worker, but also not being like an elite man. Like, like, um, he does eat a lot of apples though. He almost always has an apple. If you notice exactly. So it's like, he's almost in this middle state. So he's nothing, you know, he just doesn't even exist. He's just blank, you know, like he's not quite a human. He's not quite a horse worker. He's not quite an which elite. Which we'll get into that. Yeah, which that might be a random thing it feels like I'm bringing up, but that's what I was trying and, to get As someone who hasn't seen this movie that that's watching this is like, what? So but continue. So uh, <laughs> that, that's one thing I will say against this movie is that I think it could be a little bit shorter. Just a little bit. I think mm -hmm. that the first like hour, hour and 20 minutes before the reveal of like the what the fuck is going on here is takes a little bit too long um it's still it doesn't make it bad enough to really knock it down too many points or anything like that but i i did at some point check how much time i had left in the movie and there was still like an hour and 10 minutes left and this was still like 20 30 minutes before like the reveal and once that reveal happens, oh, I'm in for the next 40 minutes. Like, I'm so, like... But that kind of... Yeah, that, that beginning, like, it's very... It it started to lose me a little bit. But either way, he's... <laughs> he gets invited to this party with uh, Stephen Lift, is the, the kind of owner of... What's it called again? Free... Freeway? Worry, worry free worry free and Thank mr you. blank's voice is Patton oswald yes mr blank's voice Patton oswald and and cash's white voice is david cross and uh <laughs> so steven lift invites him to this party and it's played by army hammer who i who at this time did not have the uh kind of uh i don't know reputation that he has now do you know anything you don't do know something? do you not know I anything about i didn't Army know Hammer? who he, i was trying to figure out i'm like is that his actual name that can't be his like actual name it is he played the twins in the social network it's just one guy he but he twins. but he played the <laughs> twins in the social network um so, well he's he's been accused of being a weird sex freak and cannibal but all of the women he ate consented. 
So, you know, there's there's a weird kind of uh, moral question we have at the end of the day. Uh, but you played that role real fucking well. <laughs> That's all I'll say is because that is the kind of character he definitely plays in this movie. Yeah, and I'm just gonna say if there's any guy that would eat me, he could. But uh, so anyway, uh, so so in this movie, <laughs> he gets invited to this party, and at first he's kind of piped up to be like the big star of the show like oh man he's making all these calls down at the new power call center which we didn't mention his new job being a power caller is essentially selling slave labor uh these yep. people at the worry free facilities are workers that they're selling to other companies as free labor essentially or like labor at half the cost and uh he immediately sees how much he's being paid and he's like, well, I'm going to need more suits. He doesn't even question it. He's just like, all right, let's yep. do it. Um, yeah, because he sorry. acts like he's initially against it and until they they literally some show him how much he'll make and then immediately goes into the, I'm going to need some more suits. Yeah, uh, which shows that he's not really morally centered yet. He still can be swayed by money. But to be fair, I think the movie is also trying to show that the people in his life were also kind of telling him to do that. So it's like, it's hard to be a part of a society that tells you like, hey, do the morally right thing, but also make enough money to supply for your family and friend and, and like people in your life and support yourself. And, and sometimes you're, confronted with those options that conflict it's like oh well if i want the job that's going to make enough money to do this thing i will not have enough time for my family or or whatever friends or whatever it might be or vice like it does show that feeling of like all the people in his life were telling him hey make money do better get a better job and that's what he did the problem is is that it just wasn't morally good it was just it was bad it was bad but at the same time it's what people in his life were telling him to do so what it's society like it tells you to do exactly so it's like how do you argue with that um i also so liked how <laughs> the photograph of i think his father as he progresses through the movie and makes <laughs> more and more choices kind of giving into this the photo goes from looking like he's like smiling to I think at one point he's like actually has his thumb down and he has his and head so in his it, hands it, and he's it, like <laughs> yeah it, it just changes to show like the photo is not happy with his current choices yeah it's like his own and it could be taken as two ways right it could be his literal dad looking down on him judging him or it can be his own like moral compass right it's like he knows what he's doing in this moment is bad and it's being portrayed through his dad being like dude this isn't right, but he still does it anyway, you know, which we've all been there. Um, so he goes to this party and he's kind of used as like an entertainment source at one point, which is hilarious. Yep. And and this is the one part where they do kind of touch on the racial stigma. But at the same mm -hmm. time, it can also just be taken as like, hey, you were brought as entertainment. Once you learn the twist, it's like, oh, well, you're not really an elite. You're not part of this. You're a worker, you know. Uh, but yeah, he's brought in and they're like, well, you can do something, right? You got something you could bring to the table. He's like, no, not really. I don't got interesting stories. He's like, well, you can rap, right? I can bet you can rap. Rap. 
rap, rap, rap. And there's just a bunch of white people surrounding him yelling rap yep. over and over. You must relate to this. Uh, actually, I, I did, because I have been at parties where people are like, oh, you rap? Rap for us. Do a, do a rap right now. And luckily, I'm the personality where I'm I'm very outgoing. And you I actually rap, to show that skill too. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I also actually rap, so that makes that, you know, easier. But I understand that pressure of people having like, uh, oh, you do this thing? Do it for me right now. I want to see you do it. And it's happened to me sometimes at work. And and not not as I, I'll say as much at this job because this job I've actually done it but have felt comfortable. But I've been at places before where they're like, "You should rap for us right now," and I'm like, "I'm in a meeting and I'm <laughs> dressed very professionally and I need to like put some mental filters on before uh, I do this because freestyling is not like, oh man." And I could talk forever about freestyling, but like when I freestyle, if I say I'm going to do a freestyle. I'm, I'm typically doing that off the dough. Like I will say, I'm like, oh, this is a verse I've done. I've already got done that I just want to show you. But if I'm going to freestyle, I'm going to actually freestyle. Yeah. Go and, and I, again, I if it's off the dome, I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, is this something that I could actually, shoot. Oh. <laughs> is this something I could actually say out into an office if I make this metaphor? How are they going to take that? Because I'm literally just trying to do art right now. So I I can understand like different levels of you guys are making the same face. <laughs> we are one. He looks so amused. Yeah, he's having a good time. You want to say something? Okay, no. Anyway, he says me. Yeah. And even like right before that, again, kind of going into the, the stigma of what you look like, he I think he's talking about he's going hunting and he, he shot a rhino by shooting it in the head a bunch of times. And so he goes, oh, you're from Oakland. You probably popped a cap in somebody's ass. And and tell me about, you know, the that I don't know if he says hood life, but he kind of makes like that reference of what it was like. And he's like, I, that, that wasn't me. Yeah, he's like, no, that which, you know, I I thought that, oh, Link. Oh, I thought he was about to pull my headphones off my head. Um. <laughs> I thought there was going to be a little more that they were going to allude to that because early on in the movie, uh, there's a moment where Squeeze is in the car for the first time in Salvador and, and Detroit, they're all driving somewhere. And Detroit says like, yeah, well, when he was back in high school, he used to, and then the car like stops and he interrupts her. And he's like, why do you always got to bring up high school? You know? And then later, when Liam, uh, Liam? Lift, I'm sorry, Steve Lift, Army Hammer, when he's like, hey, there must be something from your past you've done, right? You've got secrets. And he's like, no, I, I don't really have it. I thought there was going to be something more where, like, he killed someone in high Ooh. school. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it, oh, didn't, you know what? it didn't need that, but. Um, yeah, and I, I wonder if maybe that's something that the book actually, like, goes into deeper detail on. Because, hmm. uh. The, the there was they uh, Boots Riley um, did make write this actually as a book first, but yeah, I do actually remember that and wondering I'm like oh, I don't remember watching I don't remember that from watching the first time, but I wonder if there was more of an emphasis to say you know maybe there was something from his past there. I also wanted to touch on just because we've kind of gotten to the point where when he's going to work, he is now 
he's crossing the picket line and all of his friends are picketing and they're saying hey if you turn on them we actually might have a real shot because you know you you're a big influence at the the company now and he's like no i'm i'm gonna stick with it yeah and so going back to the girl throws a soda can at his head and says have oh, a yeah. cola bitch um I oh that becomes like a big that thing was a reference yeah i think that was a reference to didn't like I don't know if it was Kylie Jenner or one of the Kardashians, but it was a commercial with the Pepsi to the police officers during like. Bro, that really... happened in like 2020. That happened two years before, like after this movie. I think, isn't that crazy? I, I, I. That I like, was after because I thought I that think. was like. Hold on, hold on. Oh man, because okay, double check that because there no, was another you're right. line. You're right. Then, you're, right. This... you're right. 2017, okay, okay. which is the year before this movie came out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of the influence behind that. But he mentions a line that Cassius says. I don't remember the first part of it, but Boots Riley actually says in an interview, and it's a line Cassius says about, like, we need to to wake up and make America great again. And he's like, oh, I didn't even notice I that, had I to take that line out of the movie. Um, oh, so he doesn't, oh. he doesn't say it. Yeah, he makes that mention. And it's one of those where I think he did a great job of making a movie that could have come out at any time and again there is that level of surrealism and you get to a point where you're either going to decide i'm going to enjoy this movie for what it's created in the world it's created and i think by kind of creating like the the worry-free company the fact that they have commercials creating the television show um i just got the shit kicked out of me I think that was also them kind of work to, hey, we're going to bend the rules in this world and existence, but it is going to be set in like, it's not like a sci-fi, like aliens kind of movie. No, and no. I it's think, just weird. I think in doing, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, it's actually funny because they make the mention in like the very beginning, we're not trying to recreate the human by the hum human genome here or something like that. Which which was really great. Where, um, which illusion. I guess they are. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, which again we haven't even gotten to yet. So, yeah, he's at that party and he eventually gets brought up to Lyft's private room, with which is down this long hallway of all these green doors, which is hilarious. That comes up later, but <laughs> that, um, yeah, we'll get to that. So he so he comes in and immediately. Uh, Army Hammer, Steve Lift has him take this enormous line of coke. Which, by the way... I was about to say. The line of coke that he took earlier in the movie, like at the beginning of the party, which was hilarious, because he takes this line of coke and then goes, <laughs> so you're probably why, wondering why I brought you to this meeting today. Like, that shit was so funny. But the the size of this thing... Like, it's like I, two feet. I don't even... My thing is like, is it is it CGI or something? Because... Even if it's fake, like Coke or fake, so he just snorted like a fucking 13 inch long line of something. nose with the hose of something, maybe because maybe I actually wrote down specifically. I have. What did I write down? I have never seen Coke done in person, but that was a lot. I yeah no no yeah no that's there's like like a, a half pound of fucking coke in that line that's dumb Unreal. have a coke and smile bitch but and then even the line that he has 
Cassius take, especially for someone who hasn't done coke this whole movie, so I assume... Oh my god, dude, the spiral, I was like, that's a pretty... Why is everyone doing so much of I'm, this shit? I'm like, I'm like getting anxiety. I've never even done it, but like, I get this anxiety when I see people do it. I'm like, oh god, like, ah, uh, it's... No, I... The It's insane. So he has him do this shit, and then he sits him down and goes, alright, basically I have this proposition for you. Um, watch this video. <laughs> And I love how excited he is about the video. And uh, and immediately Cash is like, I have to piss. Can I piss? And he's like, no. He's like, come on, I have to piss. He's like, fine. Go down to the Jade door and go through that. Jade. So specifically Jade. Jade. So he goes down. He goes through a green door that he found. He, he walks through and he ends up stumbling upon hybrid horsemen who are screaming in pain that they're hurt. And he's freaking out. He stumbles out. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. He runs away. And he runs into... Huge horse dick. Yeah, huge horse dicks. And he runs into Steve Lift again. And, and he's like, "What? why did you go in there? And he's like, I went through the jade door. He's like, no, that's an olive door. That is very specifically olive. That one is jade. <laughs> very <laughs> And like, oh, it's just the way he says it. It's like, that one is olive across the hall. He's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know... He's like, I need to get the fuck out. And he's like, no, no. If you had just watched the video, this would all make way more sense. Just watch the video. So he shows him this video. Crazy explanation. And I love it because he's being almost genuine. He's just like, no, no, it's not that fucking crazy. Just please, just watch the video. It's not that crazy. And the video basically explains exactly what he thought it was. He's like, oh, it's, we're creating hybrid human horsemen to work because they'll be stronger and won't complain as much. And he's like, see? It's not, not I just didn't want you to think I was crazy. Yeah, I think he like, actually says. And he's like, this is exactly what I thought it would be. <laughs> Let me the fuck out of here. And I love, I do, it's a great moment when you see in the video where he's like, well, the process starts by snorting the catalyst. And then you remember, and he's like, what the fuck did you make me snort? What did you make me snort? And he's like, whoa, bro, it was Peruvian. And he's like, hey, I don't want semantics, okay? There's probably like Peruvian yeah, like, horses and shit, okay? <laughs> He's, yeah, he's like, you need to be more clear because they probably got horses in Peru and shit. He's like, oh, you're going to get all semantic on yeah. me now. He's like, like you're I just want to know what I started. He goes, it was Coke. And then he's like, and honestly, bro, you're really starting to harsh our mellows. <laughs> so he's freaking out. But he tells him, he's like, no, just just think about it. My proposal is basically like, what does he offer? Oh, to become a horseman for four years, five years for a hundred million dollars and then the way he wrote the offer down like it was with crayon and dude, then that the was... smiley face dude that's the last note i ended up taking the offer was hysterical that I was, was like dying. a big lebowski joke that felt like that was so fucking funny like because because in my head i was thinking how in movies you never see the note you know what i mean because they even do it earlier in the movie they're yeah. like here's the here's the offer Oh, when he looks at what he's going to make doing that, yeah. He doesn't see it. And that's such a trope in movies. It's like, okay, we don't see the note. So just seeing the note and it says, I'm offering you $100 million, smiley face. Like, (laughs) in crayon or Sharpie, whatever it is. Just, oh my God, it it killed me. Okay. Um, All right. So he's even trying to explain, I, I I don't feel high off the coke. He's like... Well, that's just because you got all this crazy adrenaline rush. Yeah. Like, he's so chill about this whole situation. Like, I just want you to think about it. Yeah, which, I won't lie, I honestly believed him, even up until the end. I, I just thought that 
He just wanted him involved in the company. It wasn't until the twist at the very, very end that he changes. I honestly believed him. I was like, oh yeah, he didn't, he just gave him Coke, whatever. Uh, so yeah, I, we've almost been recording for another hour. So I guess we got to kind of wrap yeah, this up a little bit. Yeah, we're definitely doing two episodes. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I feel like there was a few things that were either cut out or glossed over where near the end, you know, there's the big like riot and um, not necessarily a riot, but they're trying to hold off the scabs from coming into the building, the power callers. And they sent mm -hmm. up, set up those like cement um, mannequins that are kind of established earlier in the movie. And then, you know, they blockade them from the sides with the football players. And there's this big plan. But the only part of that plan that didn't make sense to me is then later the horses tell him like, thank you for freeing us. But I don't remember when he freed them. Is it? Are they just saying like, "Oh, thank you for setting this plan into motion"? That, that. No, there's actually a scene where it's very brief, but you see him go to the uh, the the house, uh, Steelif's house. He looks at the video uh, mm. that was taken on his phone, which is how he was able to spread it. He puts in the code, so they do show him sneaking back You're in. You're right. And I think they just that's don't show what he did. That up. You're right. They just don't show what he did when he went into the building. Because yeah, you're right. I I remember him doing that now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. So there was maybe just one cut scene of him like opening the doors or something, and then like, yeah, but it was already long the, enough. Uh, the, you know. Yeah. Implication was okay. We're at least going to show up set set it up to show him back at the house that clearly he's working on planning something he makes a call to someone and says hey um you know we need you to get here or whatever it is he says and during this period as well once the revelation is made and he actually has video evidence of it he goes on that show i just got the shit kicked out of me goes through a whole bunch of shit literal actual like is covered in shit oh yeah and then yeah. the the video gets aired but then it creates the stocks to go up because they've created scientific breakthrough for worry free and it kind of backfires. And I think it again kind of goes to that, you know, we're sometimes desensitized where even when things are shown to us, if we're separated away from it far enough, we we can just say, okay, awesome. That's, that's great. Whatever. Yeah. But it isn't until that actual moment where, you know, they stop those power callers from going in. All hell breaks loose. There's riots. He gets thrown in a locked armored vehicle that the horsemen come to the rescue. The es esqu Esquitarians. Esquihumans? Oh, Esqu... Esquitarians. Yeah, I, I think it was Esquitarians, right? Or Esqu... Esqu yeah. I, I can't remember. Yep. <laughs> Horse people. Horse people. Um, Ridiculous. So I love the prosthetics, though. Like the, it did. I don't think they used much or any CGI. They were like real. It, it like looked suits. like yeah, that was all costume design or, or prosthetics. Yeah. Which, by the way, incredible job of hiding that aspect because this movie has been out for five years. I had no idea that that was the twist. Zero I was clue. So glad. I was so glad that you because it's one of the movies where. If you don't know the twist, you're going to get such a great experience going through yeah. it and, and realizing, oh, because when I first saw it, me, me and Amanda were like, 
<laughs> what happened? It, it I, creates I, this really dark humor. I almost um, knew because of the vibe. I think it's just because of how many movies I've seen that there was something about the vibe that I was like, something weird is going to happen. But no, I never could have guessed half horse people. Um, the social commentary is so poignant in this movie because even though it's like obvious and like maybe even on the nose, it's also true and like still says something real where and and it has something deeper to it the more you look into it because like the soda girl when she throws the soda cracks his head open you know it becomes like a meme within the culture and that's the only thing people focus on they don't care about the actual protest they care about the meme and this girl who was a voice that was meant to go up against corporatization and capitalism is now in commercials for a major soda company selling that soda. So it's it's meant yep. to show that anybody can be manipulated by this system like our main character is. And there are some theories that Squeeze actually works for Lyft. I've seen that. Uh, and that he's kind of there to create like this false sense that we have control. Like, oh, like, well, yeah, we can just court like, oh, if we just rise up and make 15 more cents an hour, we did something. But at the end of the day, we're still just another cog in the machine. And that's that's really interesting. I like that idea because he does have a a, a weird vibe to him. He doesn't feel genuine in his uh, approach. Yeah, he mentions he goes from town to town kind of stirring up trouble. Um, it, it's one of those where it's very, they write him in a way where he could be entirely genuine and this is what he does and he really cares for it. Or he could be uh, just another person who's part of that system. Yeah. And again, somebody's also made the, uh, the theory that did Cassius actually accept the offer? because he did become the horse like mm. was all of that actually just to play that part it's oh, interesting yeah. um yeah in the True. very ending um he ends up showing up at Liss house and it definitely sounds a lot more like he's against him yeah but one could also make the the argument and again i think it's it's not as strong of an argument as he actually came to realizing that this isn't the right way but one could still make the argument that this is part of the plan um overall yeah i i i think he didn't agree to it i I, I, I same i'm in the same uh camp as that yeah i i like to lean alongside of the squeeze theory of him working but i don't think that lift knew or i'm sorry i don't think that cassius agreed to lift's plan i i yeah. think that the the red herring of the the uh the coke which actually oh, i'm sorry not red herring it it did end up being the actual catalyst that i think that was just meant to keep you guessing of like oh you yep. know did he or did he not actually give it to because i think at the end of the day it was supposed to be steve lift's like um confidence his ego that would just assume that cassius will agree to this no matter what yeah so it's like yep. yeah i'll give him this shit he'll agree to it and then it won't matter that I gave him it. Anyway. He let him go free. He didn't even send people after him after yeah. the fact that it, it wasn't until like the the really big protests and riots started happening that they're like, 
uh, Cassius Green, and then the dude knocks him out, and they throw him in the truck. But other than that, I mean, I was expecting the first time watching it that he wasn't going to let him leave. He's like, oh, no, you're staying here tonight. Or he would wake up the next day and lifts at his house saying, yeah. like, I need your answer. One of those, like, you're not going to talk to people about this. He didn't give a shit. No, yeah, we'll wrap this up. But it is it is funny that me and my coworker, we were just having a conversation at work the other day that, like, no matter how good you are at your job, they will just raise the bar of expectation. So, like, let's say, let's say you're as something as simple as, like, a freight worker and you're unpackaging pallets of whatever for a store and it's like the average is two pallets a day oh we get two pallets a day done and then a new worker comes in and he gets three pallets a day done well you know what they want done next month four pallets it doesn't matter that that guy came in and totally did something incredible and like one and a half times the work because he did that now corporate goes well if they did that we can do even better. We want four pallets done. And that is so true. And this job, or I'm sorry, this movie sells that idea very well of like, no matter how good you are at your job, because at some point, Cassius, when he's doing that montage of like, yeah, fuck is that? Um, the Johnny, one of his managers, the real like skeezy one, he comes up and he's like, yeah, you're doing a great job, man. We're going to need you to double the hits that you're making, though. So anyway, uh, and it was like, if he's doing such a great fucking job better than anyone else, why does he have to double the amount of calls he's making? He's already making so many more than anyone else's. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, anyway, you got any final thoughts before we give our rating? Uh, uh I, I just love this movie. I'm glad that because I had watched it. I think at least over a year maybe two ago and i i still enjoy it if if not more um yeah no just just a really big fan of the movie how about you oh no i i loved it I, it's really really good eight out of ten it's a great movie i think that uh i would really enjoy revisiting it i man i was really divided on this I think I'm gonna give it a 10 out of 10 for me. I can't think of anything that I think the movie did wrong. I think the movie knew what it was from the beginning. There was little things it planted, like I said, when he kind of very early on, I think it's in the interview, he goes, We're not writing the human we're not rewriting the human genome here. You know, we're we're doing telemark. There's so many little moments like that. Um, the jokes about, oh, my parents wanted me to have an American name, the 40 cents on to like yeah. working you like so a horse until things. you die you know yeah, yeah yeah where i watched this a second time and it's it's something i'm like i could watch this movie again and i'm very rarely a rewatch a movie kind of person yeah great movie um all right so are you ready for your suggestion for next week oh i'm ready and i hope david cross is in it it's not a suggestion by the way you're watching it i'm not suggesting you watch it you are watching it no um <laughs> David Cross might be in it. You know what? Now that I think about it, I don't know. I haven't seen it in so long that it's possible. I wonder how many movies we can go in a row with David Cross in the movie. That would be amazing if he's actually in this. I'm not even going to look it up because... I am knows. making a birdhouse. I'm making a birdhouse. Uh, so ironically, we're watching 23 
The Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> so, uh, I think the movie might be called The Number 23. Yeah, The Number 23. It's a very Carrie Christmas. That's what we're calling these these movie choices of yours. A very Carrie Christmas. Oh, I thought it was Jim Sember. It is, but... Oh, I like a I like a Merry Carrie. Have a Carrie Christmas. A Carrie Christmas. A Carrie Christmas. Yeah, there we go. I'm glad we figured that out the third week into it. Um, <laughs> yeah, number 23. It's from 2007. Uh, okay. I'm excited to watch this one because I don't remember if it's good or bad. <laughs> I love that you keep pulling, because I love Jim Carrey, and I love Jim Carrey movies. And you keep picking Jim Carrey movies that I have not seen or heard of. I can't believe that, man. Like, this, because the only reason is this movie was such a big thing for its time, because everyone went like, oh, whoa, Jim Carrey is in a movie that isn't funny. You know, like, that was, like, the big thing for the year when it came out. Um, but also the stock market crashed in this year, so there was other stuff going on. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. I was very involved in the stock market. I, I crashed it. Yeah, was, as, as was, a 12-year-old, we were very... I was drunk. Invested. <laughs> drunk 12-year-old who crashed the stock market. All right, but anyway, thank you guys for watching this episode and listening. Uh, Neon Valley, Appreciate episode 25. It. Please make sure to join that Patreon and our Reddit. Do it discord all that good stuff we didn't tell you to do it at the beginning but i'm telling you to do it now mvp baby watch the number 23 before next week if you want to be a part of this conversation leave some comments and oh by the way we haven't gotten many uh, viewer questions in the last few episodes we haven't been asking for any but we also haven't gotten any which is suspicious we're gonna put that blame on you so exactly join the discord the reddit ask us some questions we will answer them and look at it this way we'll say your name live on a on a like a show or whatever so like your name will be You're said it can feed your ego you we can say whatever you want just just don't don't say that i know what you want to say that. not that but but anything else later ask that on the patreon private dm me if you want to say that uh, <laughs> all right anyway thank you guys have a good one this is a long one <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.